1: Brand are experts in agriculture covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing
2: gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ
3: Well Morena New Zealand and what a weekend it was (coughs) absolutely fantastic to uh, talk about in a review mode and courtesy of Brandt to your local John Deere equipment supplier, we are able to do that for the next three hours and first up it'll be Casey Frank, of course, a very well-known basketball commentator. Um, he has been to uh, most of these playoff games, if not all, and um, <clears> had <throat> been very pleased with the the fight last night shown by the Breakers to get us into a Game Five finale on Wednesday night. Absolutely outstanding. We'll have a cricket update uh, around about 9:25. Nice to see Doug Brace will get recalled to the Black Caps. Uh, we'll also have an interview with Grant Elliott around 9:30. Uh, of course, uh, Grant works for us here on SENZ, former black cap, uh, the situation of the test match down in Christchurch. Uh, Christy Doran, just after 10, he's the rugby editor at theraw.com.au. What a weekend of super rugby, yep, and we'll be talking about those Fijian Drua. What a performance that was. How good is that for the competition? Uh, Jamie Wall and Ben Strang will be on the panel this morning, so uh, we'll cover a number of uh, rugby issues, the Breakers, the Warriors, uh, all the mainstream stuff that came through the weekend. Andrew Voss uh, will be with us after 11, of course. Uh, we've got a, a stump smithy, and uh, it's a hundred. It's a handy. We won on Friday, so it's a handy uh, this morning, so that's fantastic. Uh, we're text uh, double 8833, double particularly um, anything that struck you over the weekend, which was uh, good or bad. A lot of good. Uh, Christchurch people would be a little bit muffed that uh, they went down to uh, the Fijian tour in Lautoka. Uh, but, Christchurch people on 8833, give us weather updates, can you? Because the test match, I think, is going to be a very interesting one today. Very interesting, providing they get uh, close to a full day's play. So, 8833, uh, any weather forecasts and your feelings on what you saw over the weekend.
4: Sport
5: is our religion. And here is Smithy's sermon.
3: Well, did you pick this trifecta over the weekend? If it wasn't enough to have one great Zoe. In Sadusky Senate we've now got two try Zoe Hobbs the fastest woman in Australasia now ain't that something Zoe at the weekend cracked the 11 second barrier for 100 meters in Australia she's been threatening to do it for a while now broke it in Wellington but it was wind assisted about 10 days ago this is a remarkable achievement when you consider it's also the fastest time ever achieved by a woman on Australasian soil and they've hosted the Olympics as well don't forget seconds, her new PB, would have placed her sixth at the Tokyo Olympics and is the 2023 market leader. Truly, truly brilliant. And she is ours. Kind of sense athletics in this country is starting a really exciting cycle again with France beckoning next year. There's much, much more to come in the interim. And how do you piece together a 2-0 record in something as competitive as the NRL when you have no history No pedigree, no experience of playing together, Well, the Dolphins barely, barely have an identity I mean who plays for them anyway? We know who coaches them and he's clearly a genius. Last pick in the schoolyard, don't usually win many, two tight ones on the bounce coming down the stretch, no way, will you better believe it, yes way actually, and there they are sitting atop the table clearly with a genuine belief in each other already. And just to complete the trifecta, Bulavanaka, you amazing Fijian drawer. Well, what a clutch victory over the Crusaders in Lotoka. Spectacular, the next all-black coach is now one and three. Razor took a punt on some relative newbies who couldn't get it done and outside of Christchurch. It's a pretty special thing. The drawer of a lot more super rugby traffic headed their way this season. Pack a hard hat with your passport, people. Two points in the islands will not be a gimme. This could be just the start. game you didn't want. <laughs> Buckle up Sydney, you got the game you didn't want. That was the sound of a record crowd at Spark Arena. Over 9,700 fans witnessing the great turnaround by the New Zealand Breakers in Game 4 of the ANBL Championship Series to force a deciding fifth game on the Kings home Court winning 80-70 on Friday night. Sydney broke an ANBL attendance record themselves with just over 18,000 packing into the kudos bank arena and after chase buford walked out of his press post post conference last night uh, expect plenty of heat come wednesday i think it's uh, one thing we can expect one man who is at both games was commentator casey frank's doing a sterling job as well uh, casey good morning to you
6: oh, good morning thanks for having me
3: hey you're at uh, spark last night you're also at QDOS for game three while Sydney's arena is much larger, much larger, of course, in size and capacity, what was the better atmosphere? Did you feel?
6: Uh, for me, it was it was at Spark Arena yesterday. Uh, that was by far the most engaged crowd I've ever seen at a basketball game in New Zealand. Uh, they opened the doors at five o'clock, and there was already a buzz in the air. With half an hour ago, the crowd was already getting into the chance, and I have. You know, normally when you see a, a breakers crowd and things aren't going well, uh, the crowd has a, tend to, a, a tendency to get a little pensive. But there was none of that yesterday. It was just pure energy that the, the team really fed on and I, I think really helped uh, get some wind behind the sails on the, on the sail home. Barry Brown
3: Jr. was uh, huge for the breakers in the fourth quarter, uh, bearing a big three and uh, dunking on the breakaway, which always adds to the momentum. When did you feel, what stage did you feel they had game four in the bag?
6: It was pretty late. Uh, I think it was uh, around that time with that dunk uh, just because Sydney refuses to die uh, you know even when they're not playing to at their best as they did yesterday, they're almost the zombie kings. you cannot put these guys away. They keep coming back at you and uh, you know until I think uh, Sydney actually waved the white flag with about 145 left and, and pulled out the guys and cleared the bench out a little bit. Up to that point, uh, I thought it was still a possibility. You know, there were only three shots down with about uh, 140 left, uh, you know, three possessions. So it was still in the mix if things could have gone their way. So uh, as uh, definitive as that final scoreline was, I think every game in the series has probably been a bit closer than uh, you would uh, would figure just looking at the scores.
3: Well, Barry Brown Jr. played the game, uh, it appeared with heavy strapping on his uh, non-shooting left hand. Um, Is he okay that he had to play through the pain barrier there? What's the issue?
6: Uh, well, he actually broke a bone prior to the first round series against Tasmania. So he had a broken bone in his hand. And I think against uh, the jack jumpers, that was a, there was a lot of pain to it. Uh, it's not something they don't think that can get worse over time. Uh from My understanding is in that week, uh, that, that break they had, those couple of weeks in between during the international break for uh, the World cha- Championship qualification, uh, that healed up. He, he's more, mostly got that padding on there to protect it from further damage, but it is my understanding that he's not feeling any pain from that anymore. and It's more for that peace of mind and to ensure if it does get whacked again, there won't be a, a re-injury there.
3: Okay, cool. Uh, 70 points is the lowest score by the Kings this series. What adjustments did you see from Mayor going from Game 3 to Game 4 to help the Breakers' defensive efforts?
6: Uh, I think uh, they did a great job in transition. They really limited all those transition opportunities. Uh, they've been doing a nice job of that in the entire series, but what we saw in this one was the Breakers were able to get on the offensive glass, keep them attached to that side of half-court there, and at the same time, they were able to get back in transition and stop those plays. Uh, I, I think they did a much better job of staying connected to the shooters. Uh, there was that stretch in game three where we saw DJ Vasiljevic, uh just get some wide open looks uh, from the lane, and you can't lose shooters of that quality. I think we've heard Coach Mori Moore say it time and time again that if you relax for a second against this team, that the, the, the Sydney Kings will just explode on you offensively. And what I saw yesterday was a team in the Breakers that for the, for the first time in the series, played a, a complete game. They, they never really let their guard down. They were on that edge, uh, that razor's edge that you have to be to be in a series like this from start to finish. And it was a, a really impressive 40-minute performance on the defensive side where uh, we did hear, of course, Chase Buford talk a lot about that physicality. But from my vantage point, they were playing really great physical basketball without getting their hands caught in there, playing with their chest, playing with their bodies, and less so with their hands that they were getting caught with uh, in the last couple of games.
3: Well, they certainly did a good job on uh, MVP Xavier Cooks last night, limiting him to uh, only 10 points.
6: Yeah, you know, I I don't think he's 100%. I I think, uh, you know, I'm going to have to give him all the credit in the world. He's got an NBA contract waiting for him at the end of this. But I I think he's playing through some serious pain with that cork thigh that he's got. Uh, I think it's caused some severe swelling in his knee as well. And he doesn't quite look like the, the. he doesn't have the freedom of movement that we've been expected from him over the course of the season. Uh, certainly, Jarrell uh, Brantley and his defensive intensity had a lot to do with that. I think he, in particular, did a much better job of finding him early, uh, and there was a wall behind Xavier Cooks when he drove. You know, on the switches, we saw a really nice job done by Derek Pardon by Rob Lowe at times when they had that matchup. But a lot of attention is being paid to him. They're not letting him get those easy looks. Uh, they're doing a much better job of the weak side uh, help coming over late and challenging shots, and just making every catch that he gets extremely difficult to uh, focus on the rim.
3: Right, uh, let's uh, let's look at the battle of the bigs. You enjoying that?
6: I uh, really am, yeah, man. I'm loving it. Uh, you know, the, the Kings the, the, the Kings got some uh, so some real good ones in Suarez. And Jordan Hunt, I think they've got some great length, six eleven. Uh, both of them right around six eleven, and they've done a nice job in the first three games of the series of really controlling the interior to the point where the Breakers in Game Three had one offensive rebound at halftime and just five for the game. And to, to me, the way that the, the Breakers are really dependent on getting some kind of energy off the offensive glass when things aren't going well. And Harden and Rob Lowe, Terrell Bradley, uh, they have did a really nice job in this game of bouncing back on that physicality, find a way to affect things. You know, Derek Harden hasn't had the greatest statistical impact on this game in terms of scoring the basketball he's had one pretty good rebounding game for the most part statistically he's been down but that effort level is great he's putting a lot of pressure on the rim he's getting hands the balls even when he's not getting credit for those offensive rebounds and what he's doing on the on balls where he's really coming out and showing him and Roblo both putting a lot of pressure on players like Derek Walton Jr. and uh, DJ Vasilovic. and you know it, it's been it's been a, a seesaw battle but there's big bodies in there and you we know, we hear the big names, we hear about the scoring, but to me it's that play on the interior which is really defining the series.
3: Casey, uh, they left 39-27 at the break uh, and then they appeared to have a pretty poor third quarter which is which a problem for them in too in Sydney. Um, do you think that is an issue or, or not really something to address?
6: Oh, I think it's absolutely an issue. Now, it's been one that they've been able to overcome at times, but we've they've really struggled to carry that momentum from first half into the second half. So Sydney, every game, you see they pick up that level of physicality, pick up their intensity in that third quarter, and are able to make runs coming out of the break. Uh, it's going to be another tight one when they go back to Kudos Bank Arena. And they, if they want to win the championship, if they want to go home victors, they are going to have to find a way to make those first five minutes of that third quarter, go a little bit more smoothly, especially on the offensive end. The defense has been solid, but they have to find a little bit more, uh, a way to get into their rhythm a little bit more quickly coming out of the changing room.
3: Three-point shooting, worrying You,
6: I, I, you know, I, I think the, the breakers are letting them fly. Uh, that's what they've done all season long. and I've seen a big difference between the games they've won in this series and the games they've lost. In the games they've won, those three-pointers are being created off of penetration, off post-catches, offensive rebounds and kickouts so they're drawing the defenders in for the city kings who really like to pack the paint on those drives and they're sucking all those defenders in away from the shooters outside kicking it out and getting open looks. when they're getting in trouble is when they're not getting that penetration either with the pass or with the draw and they're just swinging it around and they're shooting those contested shots late so if they're able to get penetration i, I love the three those open looks are great but if they're going to continue to just let it fly without bending the defense first, the, the, that number of threes that are contested, uh, I think, is not a recipe for success.
3: Who's the most pressure on coaching-wise here? It, it appeared that um, Chase Buford had, had made through Twitter sort of a, I, I don't know whether it was a heavy-handed allegation or not, about um, the influence of Matt Walsh on the officials uh, in that game. But who, who do you feel is the most pressure on going into Game 5?
6: I mean, they're coaches in the championship series. I think the pressure's pretty equal. You know, uh, when you look at Chase Buford, uh, he's got one in his pocket. Uh, they won a title last year. I think, uh, you know, that would, of course, relieve some pressure. But, you know, they're, they're the biggest team. They're the best team. Uh, they've got, uh, you know, two first-team all-league players. Uh, when you look at the breakers, I think at the start of the season, if you would have told anybody they were just going to make the playoffs, I think that would have been seen as a success, uh, successful season based on what's happened in recent times. A first-year head coach who's gotten his team to the championship game, I really don't think there's any pressure on Morimor and the breakers. I think, uh, you know, of course, when you lose a championship, win a championship, that is the ultimate definer uh, of the success of a season. But if you take that away and look at how far this team has come and what they've done in just one season from where they were a year ago, uh, to me, their season's already a success. And winning a championship would just be the cherry on top of that someday.
3: So, uh, for you, um, who, wins game, who wins game five, Casey? Now, who wins it?
6: This has pretty much worked out how I thought it was going to. I thought it was going to go five games. I thought it was going to go back and forth. You know, coming into the series, uh, I was uh, a 55-45 or a 60-40 split, thinking the Kings were going to get it. But after seeing these teams play, I just think uh, I haven't seen the Sydney Kings play their best basketball yet. And I think that performance yesterday was the best postseason performance we've seen from the breakers this season. So I'm backing the Breakers to go over there and get it done. Uh, It's going to be difficult, and it would not surprise me if either team wins. But uh, but I I think the Breakers, they've got things in a good place now, where where they figured out how to bend that defense, play with that physicality that's so important to their game, and still create uh, some really good defensive opportunities to force some turnovers on that on that side of the ball.
3: I hope you haven't put your passport away. I imagine you're going back over.
6: (laughs) I'm going back over, uh, yeah, it's uh, a little di- difficult with the day job and my wife and the two young kids, but uh, it's an exciting one, it's a great to be a part of, and I, I can't wait to get over there Wednesday and-, and call what should be a barnstormer of a decider. It's only the fourth game five in NBL history, so uh, it's-, it's quite a big deal. Uh, and I haven't had one of these since 2018.
3: And just finally, Casey, I mean, you probably haven't given it much thought because of what's going on in front of you at the moment. But, of course, the sales NBL season is, is just around the corner. Which of the teams do you like in look of so far?
6: You know, not all teams have toss, tossed out all their free agent signings. Uh, you know, I, I saw a great, uh, a great signing for Otago Nuggets, bringing back who was, uh, much, for me, the, the best player in the final series last year. He's really the reason why defensively they were able to get across things. Uh, not quite sure exactly what teams are going to be looking like, but in, in the early goings, I've really liked the signings of the Hawks-Bay Hawks, and I, I like what the Wellington Saints are putting together. Uh, a couple of those two teams of the Otago Nuggets, and uh, I think uh, early on right now, before all the free agency signings have been uh, made public, uh, those are the teams that I, I've most got my eye on.
3: Well, Casey, we look forward to you calling the Breakers home um, on Wednesday night. It's going to be something very, very special with record ratings, I would imagine, for a game that deserves it. So uh, thanks for your summation this morning. Really enjoyed it, and uh, good luck uh, in your travels to Sydney. Thank you.
6: I appreciate the time, and I can't wait to go call that one. It's going to be uh, hopefully historic.
3: Yeah, I can't wait to hear you call it down the stretch, man. That'll be fantastic. Uh, 920 here on SENZ, Casey Frank there, who was, of course, uh, off... To Sydney for Game 5. The Breakers and the Kings. Wouldn't it be special? As he said, look, we didn't even really expect them to make the playoffs. To go, let alone go this deep and force it to a Game 5. It was something special last night. There will be over 18,000 again. You can uh, bet your bottom dollar on that at Kudos Bank Arena in Sydney. So they'll be up against it there. But, of course, that puts a lot more pressure on the Kings as defending champion. And they've won. They have won there previously this season on more than one occasion. They've got that in the back of their minds. Exciting. Really exciting. 9.21 here on SENZ.
1: Equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport
2: in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. Besson, a straight, bolder! He's bolded! Smithy's Cricket Update, thanks to Razine, New Zealand's most trusted paint brand.
3: Well, as of stumps yesterday, Will Young has been released from the Black Caps test squad to represent the Central Stags in the next round of the Plunkett Shield. Makes sense. Uh, round 7 of the competition begins this morning with young Central Stags facing Canterbury and Rangiora, so it's just a 20-minute drive up the road for him. He'll return to the Test Squad after Round 7 while his uh, Stags teammate Doug Braceful will join the team when the Test Squad assembles in Wellington. Braceful would have been named as an injury replacement of the Test Squad during the England Test Series, but uh, was ruled out with a minor groin strain. Since then, he's made a successful playing return featuring for the Stags in the last round of the Plunkett Shield. Black Caps coach Gary Stead said the changes were about giving young match time and bringing in a different set of bowling skills. We think it's important for Will to keep getting uh, cricket under his belt. Uh, With the timing of this round and the next test, we thought it was a good opportunity to get him on the park and have time in first-class match conditions. Doug is a skillful bowler who has been in strong form for the Stags across formats this season. We believe his skills will complement the rest of the bowlers we have in the group. Going into the next test and the Black Caps test squad uh, set to ro- ro- uh, relocate to Wellington uh, tomorrow, actually, at the conclusion of this test match, and that's where Doug Brace will join the team at that point. Um, and he's also there, of course, because Neil Wagner has been ruled out of the second test against Sri Lanka after a scan today uh, revealed he has a bulging disc in his back and a torn right hamstring. The injuries will require an estimated six weeks of recovery time. Um, Black Caps coach Gary Stead said the whole team were feeling for Wagner. We all know how much playing test cricket for New Zealand means to Neil. We're all disappointed to see him sidelined like this. The fact is he's still hoping to play on carrying these injuries. Shows you just how determined he is to try and give his all for the team if required. Wagner will be available to bat on the final test, uh, final day of this test today if required. Weather permitting. Had a couple of uh, texts come in. Uh, raining but it will clear, uh, mate, says uh, Dean. And uh, someone else has come and said it's uh, raining. Simple as that. So uh, we keep our fingers crossed. They're still still an hour and a half away before the scheduled start of play. Um, So, yeah, that's uh, cricket news this morning. Right, uh, let's uh, look uh, forward also to um, what's happening at the Players Golf Championship. Uh, Logan, uh, Scotty Scheffler out there after uh, 10 holes at 16 under. And his nearest pursuer is, uh, I guess, Tyrell Hatton, who's in the clubhouse at 12-under. Played A remarkable uh, shot on the 18th to get himself to that point and then sunk a 25-foot putt to make an unlikely birdie from where you saw his tee shot was. It was just an outstanding birdie, but uh, he's still four behind, and Scott Scheffler is just nailing everything.
0: Yeah, this has been a fun uh, Players' Championship to watch this weekend, Smithy. Just this morning, there was, I can't recall uh, who it was, but out of the greenside bunker on the 16th hole, which, I mean, we we'll would talk about how tough that 17th hole is on Sawgrass. That 16th mm. hole is no joke either. It does not mess around, but they were able to hit it from the greenside bunker and hole in. So that was amazing to see. With Scotty Sheffler in the lead, Smithy, I believe your multi from Thursday is still alive.
3: Yeah, we did. Uh, way back on Thursday, we took the Cavaliers to beat the Heat. They obliged. The Panthers to beat the Rabbitohs. They obliged. Uh, and Scotty Sheffield to finished in the top 10 players at $2.30. Uh, it looks pretty damn good now, doesn't it? At $6.32. So if you uh, had that one, um, and uh, good luck to you. We'll have another one coming up this morning um, as well. Very shortly, actually. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that uh, looks like uh, that is uh, given. We're going to talk to Grant Elliott very shortly um, because uh, he's been... Uh, keeping a very close eye on the test match at at Hagley Oval. Um, And he might have a view or two as well and uh, changes for the test match at the Basin Reserve. 9.30, here's uh, Aroha. The Black Caps have uh, set up a dramatic day five at Hagley Oval, weather permitting, uh, in this first test match against Sri Lanka. They need 257 runs to win. Plenty of overs uh, to do that and deny the visitors their first test win on New Zealand soil going back to December 2006. Wow. Um, Really, uh, the weather forecast, however, does seem a little threatening, as I said, the amount of play available today with the Met Service forecasting rain in the morning to clear by the afternoon. They can add a few overs on. Uh, Play due to start at 11 o'clock, of course, and when they do, um, Tom Latham and Kane Williamson will be at the crease. Fingers crossed, we get to another cracking day five after the Basin Reserve. Good chance to catch up with uh, Grant Elliott, who's been keeping a pretty close eye on what's been going on down in the Test match. Grant, good morning to you.
7: Hey, Smithy, how's it going?
3: Yeah, I'm pretty cool, man. Pretty cool. Looking forward to day five if it eventuates. Um, who would who would your money go uh, be on chasing two, five, seven, nine wickets in hand?
7: Well, speaking of money, I'm actually driving around Wellington City and I've got a uh, parking ticket on my uh, windscreen. (laughs) And it's one of those awkward moments. I don't know if you... Well, one, they sting you pretty hard in Wellington now, um, even if you park. But parking tickets, obviously, substantially more. But I've got this technique where you can press the window wiper and then try and snatch it, you know, because otherwise it ends up, you know, going into the ether and you you never find it and you don't know where to pay. A little bit of an awkward moment at the moment. Um, but yeah, I think the Black Caps, they're probably they're looking at it this morning and hoping that it was going to be a full day's play. Let, let's hope so uh, with the weather. As you mentioned, a little bit around, there's a bit around here in Wellington at the moment. So I think if they get a full day's play, I'd like to put all the money on the Black Caps. Um, but there will be a little bit of jitters. Um, I think, you know, Henry Nichols is, you know, a lot of question marks around him at the moment. And I'm sure you're probably going to ask me about him. But I think, you know what. What this Black Caps team has been uh, has done so well is they've had consistency in players and they've backed their players. And something that obviously, you know, we've seen with Brendan McCullum, he looks at his players, he looks to back them, and um, he gives them the freedom to play and express themselves. Um, I think where, where Henry Nichols probably struggled a bit has been the top order, the inconsistency of maybe not having someone like Taylor still there who consistently scored runs, but. You know, Williamson being out of a bit of nick, but he's back in form now, and so is Latham. But we didn't have, you know, that consistency in the the opening stand um, or top three, which, you know, takes the shine off the ball and gives those sort of uh, middle-order players um, a little bit more chance. And uh, Henry Nichols obviously making the the step up to number four is quite a different role when you're losing quick wickets.
3: So I'll okay, continue on that theme. Uh, win, lose, or draw. If Henry Nicholls was to say get twenty-five to thirty, does he play again at the Basin Reserve, or is his time up this time around?
7: Oh, I think you know it's, it's so dependent on the coach and selector because I think you draw a line in the sand. So you've got someone who averages thirty-six, who's scored eight Test centuries. And the only player I can probably see replacing him is Will Young. Um, so that's a, a, a change of God. And, I mean, you could go with the younger player, I guess, but, um, you know, someone like Rachin Ravindra probably hasn't scored the, the weight of runs that he needs to. But Will Young's probably the only replacement. But the, then you're drawing a line in the sand and saying to people, this is how long you will get. And I know that when I played in the black caps in test cricket, you felt like you had one and a half tests. That was it. Because we had we had five coaches in five years, five different coaches in five years, and selectors changed, and players were in and out of the team, and it was it wasn't a great feeling going to the crease, thinking you know this could be my last innings. Um, so yeah, it'll it'll be fascinating. See, I say he stays uh, just because of his record, and I compared him, you know, someone like Mike Hussey, someone that gives a lot to the team, um, and. Mike Hussey was sheer weight of runs as well. He ended up with uh, you know 19 Test hundreds, but he went through a really rough patch at one stage. I think I counted about 13 innings where he didn't score above 30. They stuck with him, um, and then obviously got the return. So cricket can be like that, um, and it'll be fascinating to see the, the the judgment call they make. But you know he's luckily he's he's um, supported by Daryl Mitchell and Tom Blundell who have done exceptionally well. And I think, you know, that, that middle-to-low middle order um, looks like they really are almost the heartbeat to the team at the moment. I mean, that phenomenal 100 from Daryl Mitchell. Uh, we said it, I was actually on the Saturday fish um, at SCNZ, and I said Daryl Mitchell needs to score 80-plus here for us to actually have a chance in this game, and he did just that. So he always seems to, um, to rise to the occasion, Daryl Mitchell, uh, an exceptional player in all three formats.
3: Right, uh, let's uh, look at the bowling side of things then as well. Uh, Salvia of course, has had a, a terrific series, uh, just ever so reliable. Matt Henry uh, has popped up and got a few at the uh, death yesterday. Uh, Tickner getting the first four wickets, is that uh, for you saved as bacon?
7: <laughs> yeah, Tickner's an interesting one, Smitty. I don't know if you feel the same, but... I sort of when I saw Tickner and Cougarline in the England series, I didn't I didn't think that they were next in line, so I was quite surprised. But what I do like from Tickner and what you see from a lot of Black Caps, when the the longer they're in the environment, the better better they get. They're bowling to players like Williamson, Latham, Conway, and the nets. Um, they're going to get better, and you know Tickner it looks like his seam has got a little bit better. Like, there's a little bit of wobble there now, whereas it was almost sort of 3 quarter seam when he started. And, you know, he went to India. He played in the one-day series there, and that was a tough series. I was over there commentating it. The conditions there were so batter-friendly. Um, you know, you, you didn't want to be a seamer. So, you know, coming from India back here, I think he's going to get better. And, like, it's really nice for a bowler to get, you know, a return of four wickets like he has. So, you know, if he can he can grow on that, um, be in the environment a little bit longer. I do feel he's sort of similar to Henry in a way, where there's that wobble seam and he bowls back of a length. Um, I, I love a little bit of variety. And we had, you know, Saudi, Boltz, and Jamison. But those days may be gone with Bolts. Hopefully Jamison can get back to fitness. But, um, yeah, I, I like what I see. He bowls with pace and um, sort of back of a length. And does nibble it. This pitch suits his bowling though as well. So nice to get the return. And um, yeah, I think that probably shows we're just a little bit low in bowling stocks. And I don't mean in talent. I think we've got talent out there. But I think we're low in bowling stocks in terms of people with experience that we can pick and take off the bench. And when you think about that, someone like Matt Henry was one of those players. He was always on the bench um, and someone that had a lot of experience. And suddenly now he finds himself as, you know, one of the premier bowlers in our team. So who are those bowlers that we can give the, um, that experience to, to grow that uh, that the, the bowling stocks?
3: Michael Bracel, um wasn't really a factor against England, um, has not really been a factor in this Test match, bowled uh, overs uh, in the second innings without any success at all, um, but... I, I don't see him. Uh, you know, I, I see them playing him at the base, again, I, I just I still struggle to comprehend the spin bowling aspect of what we're trying to develop in this Black Cap side. I I can't get my head around it. I'm sorry.
7: Yeah, I think it's an interesting one because we had Satna that occupied that space for a long time. He wasn't really a wicket taker. You know, he was more there uh, as a holding bowler um, and did well with the bat, and we sort of. I think we, we, we do feel that having that all rounded out, batting down at that sort of 7-8 um, is a s- sort of safety net for us. It's sort of a little bit of both. He has taken key wickets, um, you know, in test matches in one day, as more of a one-day bowler. But he is developing his skill at test level. Um, and that's that can be difficult. Uh, you know, he about... Eighteen months or two years ago, I think I, I I was commentating and I called him a bits and bits and pieces or a batting all rounder, and he was like, I'm not, you know, I'm I'm an out and out all rounder, and I was like, I'm sorry, braces, um, I'll call you an all rounder from now on. And actually, since then, you know, he's done so well domestically with the ball, um, and he's obviously got you know the skills and and the talent is there, but I look at the the, the teams around the world that are successful. And you look at Leach, you look at Nathan Lyon, they're in the teams consistently and they're frontline, you know, spin bowlers. How can we get that frontline spin bowler in? And not so long ago, A.J. Patel took 10 wickets in India, came to New Zealand and then was left out of the squad. We found no place for him. So in these conditions, it's just tough for a spinner. And I don't know what the answer is, Smithy, because... They don't play a lot, they don't bowl a lot, and then suddenly we go to the subcontinent and we throw them the ball and we say, win us the test. And that must be so difficult for these, these spin bowlers um, you know, that have that expectation, yet when they play in New Zealand, if they play, they're normally sitting on the sideline and, and sort of lucky if they make the squad because we look at playing the four seamers. Um, how they develop those skills and how they feel um, they're, they're actually like we spoke about Tickner, improving all the time because they're bowling. And that's what we see from the likes of Nathan Lyon and, and, and uh, Jack Leach. So uh, it is a difficult one, and I think it's conditions conducive. I think we need to produce um, a few wickets around the country that actually do help a bit of spin.
3: So uh, perhaps if it's, uh, we lose a few overs today, uh, what would the Black Caps' attitude be? Say they lost uh, 10 overs because of bad weather. Would they take this on?
7: Yeah, good question. I think you've got to take it on. Um, You know, I think the England series showed uh, the way that Test cricket should be played. We're sitting eighth in the World Test Championship, Smithy. You know, Mm. Um, Bangladesh below us, West Indies above us. Like, why not go for the, what have we got to lose? Um, You know, have a go. we've, We've got the batters there. Um, but it is setting up a store. I mean, it's early da- early days. You know, you're, you're 28 for one. We probably lost a little bit of time out of the game last night because, you know, facing um, 17 overs, I think it was, uh, probably didn't kick on as much as we wanted. But you always look at the run rates um, over time. And it was 3.68 on day one, 3.47, sorry, in the first innings. 3.47 in the second innings, 2.68 in the, the, the third innings. So um, it is tough to, to score at that clip, but there's still bounce and pace in this wicket. So there's no reason why we can't set up this, this stall first uh, first session. Um, That'll be losing max one wicket, but actually going at a decent clip and then reassessing, and it's assessing it a, a session after session and almost getting into that last three quarters of the, um, the final session and then uh, deciding whether or not you're in a great position. But there's no point in going for the draw unless we're behind the eight ball. We may as well go for it and produce a little bit of uh, entertaining cricket.
3: Totally agree. Absolutely, totally agree. Whether they do or not, and uh, how the forecast is, uh, and how the, the actual weather is, will be a massive factor in that. Of course. Hey Grant, great to catch up with you. Sorry about the parking ticket. I hope we weren't all responsible for it, mate. Uh, if we are, send it in with uh, and with a, send it in with an invoice and Hutchie will sort it. Don't worry.
7: No, I'm just glad that it hasn't blown away while I've been talking. So uh, that's a good thing. <laughs> it's still on the windscreen. I can do the old windscreen wiper and then grab it. Uh, grab it from the side.
3: <laughs> Good on you, mate. Well, it sounds like you've had a few of them. You're very practiced at it. All the best, man. Thanks for your time this yeah. morning.
7: <laughs> Thanks, really.
3: Cheers, mate. Cheers. Our former Black Cav, of course, and uh, SENZ host, uh, and particularly in the weekends, Grant Elliott, uh, with his thoughts there. Interesting. Uh, love to feel uh, your feedback on that. Uh, he says, uh, keep going with Henry Nichols, persevere, and um, his records suggest that he will come right at some stage. Uh, What about some stage? Um, That's an interesting one for me. The fact that they've released Will Young tells me two things. Either he will will be playing at the Basin and they've decided that um, he deserves an opportunity in the final home test of the summer, or he won't. (laughs) Or he won't at all. In other words, um, there's no middle ground there, really. He's either going to play or he's not uh, sending him away to get some match practice, which I think is a very smart thing. To be honest, one of the better smart moves they've made. And uh, I think that's a good thing. And that might indicate that he is going to play. So, uh, well, I'll have to wait and see to the base of course. But um, if he goes away and gets some runs, Henry Nichols misses out again. Can't pick him, can they? Can they pick him? No, nah, I've got to give someone else a chance. 9.46. Go for it, because as Grant Elliott said, and I agree, there's nothing to lose. I mean, OK, I'll say yes, there is. There's a test match to lose. But in terms of uh, practising the art of winning the game, of actually giving yourself confidence... Uh, to play for this long and to fight your way uh, back into the test match the way they've done on a couple of occasions. It would be a shame not to uh, try and finish it off with a win. So I believe they'll try, uh, given the right amount of overs. So $4.15. And uh, because of that value, you don't need much else in your multi, do you? Uh, So I'll just take OKC, Oklahoma City Thunder, should I say, uh, to beat the San Antonio Spurs, which are a pretty hapless sort of bunch this season. It's at $1.57. So that multi's up at $6.51. Uh, if you took uh, Scotty Scheffler for the top 10, as we did, if you took him to win it, you're a home run, I think, now. Uh, he's 17 under. He's just playing the lights out of this uh, stadium course at TPC Sawgrass. And uh, the next player to him uh, is Tyrrell Hatton in the clubhouse at 12 under. He's got a five-shot, I mean, a five-shot lead. Absolutely, blinking outstanding, consistent golfer. Scotty Scheffler, what a... What a sporting brain he's got, but uh, what a temperament he's got as well. He's um, he's he's playing well, really, really well. I think this will put him back to number one in the world. Unfortunate for John Rahm, who had to pull out after the first round with a stomach upset, uh, because he uh, is just a contender every time he lines up. So shame for him, but Scotty Scheffler putting on a clinic here at uh, Sawgrass, and it's 953.
1: Teamless Tuesday on The Run Home. If I could make a starting 15 of all the best segments on radio, Teamless Tuesday would be my captain. The Run Home with Kirsten Beef every weekday from 4pm. Bring your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This
2: is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Read your texts. It's
3: raining. No play. It's uh, from one texter. Um, Above that a second later, I get working five minutes from Hagley, still raining but windy, so should be blow through, will be cricket before 12. Uh, then Chris comes in and says, Smithy, I'll be surprised if they get any play today, it's raining until the Arvo at least. Cheers, Chris. So there's three uh, different messages, two saying um, woeful things about the weather, and one uh, a little bit more optimistic. Scott Scheffler has birdied the last five holes in a row, he's now 18 under. After 12, six clear of Tyrell Hatton. Staggeringly good golf. It is really, really good golf. Right, uh, some pretty damn good rugby over the weekend as well, including one of the big turn ups I think Super Rugby history has ever seen. I'm going to talk about that uh, with Christy Doran very shortly. He's the rugby rugby editor at the raw.com.au We'll look at uh, New Zealand games and some of the Aussie ones as well, coming up shortly
1: in agriculture covering your equipment parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field from behind the stumps to behind the mic nothing gets past smithy
2: this is mornings with ian smith on senz
8: wide ball to
2: smoking joe oh yeah it's a thumbs up and calaveri pops it up there's the little high ball the wide ball Salama He's got a ruby shell with him! Wow! The try has been given Flags are up in Laotoka The Fiji and Gua are up in Toka. What a game!
3: Absolutely staggering atmosphere there. You didn't expect anything else did you? Taking uh, Super Rugby to the islands is such a great idea. And when you see a result like that, how good their inclusion in the competition. Uh, Absolutely brilliant. As Laotoka's uh, Churchill Park erupted with that applause, Fijian Drew's 25-24 defeat of the defending champion Crusaders has shaken up the table and proven at home in particular they will not be any easy beats or anything like it. Uh, elsewhere, the Chiefs cruised uh, against an underpowered Highlanders side, although they did welcome back three All Blacks. Uh, Australian teams went toe-to-toe with close results in all three matches. And a uh, chance to review it now with uh, the Raw's rugby editor, Christy Doran. Uh, you can check out his work at theraw.com.au. And plenty to talk about, uh, Christy, uh, on air and in your columns as well. Um, you've been advocating Fiji to be included in the rugby championship um on the evidence of what we saw there, I think um, it's starting to become a little bit more serious in the conversation.
4: Smithy, great to join you. And look, I haven't just been advocating on the back of one match. I think I've been probably advocating it for a couple of years. And I think in addition to that, Japan really needs to be seriously considered coming into the the TRC because it's, it's stale, isn't it, the rugby championship? And it has been for a long time there's not a huge amount of excitement about it but when you see what we see on a weekly basis up in Fiji which is screaming fans that are the best fans in world rugby just about we see them on a a tournament basis in the World Series Sevens, and they bring a a huge amount of energy and voice to any day whether it was day one or day three of the World Series Sevens, and and Japan too we saw how wonderful they were at the 2019 World Cup, where they're knocking off some of the big nations of the world, yet Super Rugby and Sanzar officials have the audacity to continually talk down not only their high performance, but what they can bring, particularly financially, to the table. Super Rugby, and, and particularly the TSE, have to look at themselves and go, well, how do we be- become like the Six Nations? Because our tournament is chalk and cheese at the moment.
3: It is, it is chalk and cheese, you're right, and you're right, and it is, it's not something you actually stand up and say, gosh, this rugby championship starts uh, in about two months' time, I can't wait. I don't hear many people saying about that. Maybe because uh, this um, this actually, this uh, Super Rugby uh, Pacifica is uh, starting to shape up quite nicely, um, with teams on both sides of the Tasman, of course, and the Drua. but overall, uh, that Drua performance against um, a Crusaders side which was devoid of a few stars, did Scott Robertson take too much of a chance?
4: Well, he probably took too much of a chance against the Waratahs last year and ended up coming away from Leichhardt losing as well. Uh, I I think on the measure of it, you can understand it, particularly in a World Cup year, because players have to be rested under not only All Blacks' protocols, but uh, the Wallabies too. You'll see throughout the year, coaches have to make a decision... Do we rest a play here or there? And when you consider it, it's five and a half hours from Sydney. I'm not quite sure what it is from Auckland, but it's a long trip to get to Fiji. And when you consider it the taxing nature, the physicality, the heat, the humidity, you, if you weigh it up and you go, can we get away with it? Should we get away with it? Uh, I think sides will continue to, to risk it. And I can understand it. CG were great. They they were, but the Crusaders were just out on their feet, gassed after 30 minutes. And the only bloke that looked comfortable, comfortable enough out there, Sam Whitelock, He is the only guy that just continues to get the business done. So consistent, not pushing passes, did the basics well. But the rest of them have really got to hang their heads in shame.
3: Okay. Right, uh, the Brumbies twenty three, um, the Queensland Reds seventeen. So the Brumbies haven't done much in terms of bonus points, but they've been consistent. Um, what did you make of this performance?
4: Oh, look, it was a pretty open game where the the referee there, James Dolman, just let. It was a bit of a dog's breakfast at the at the breakdown, and you saw guys like Suli Yasi Ivanivalu playing the ball on the ground despite losing his feet and being on the ground at the breakdown and it was it was a bizarre game but it had its moments and the Reds you could see the, the class that James O'Connor brought off the bench and came on after, after directly after half time and he kinda of changed the game and it was there for the taking. They got held up across the line a couple of occasions. It's a funny thing the Reds and the Bumbies though, they've had about five games separated by under five points in the last five appearances and It was a bit like that Blues and Hurricanes game. You you could see it coming, you could see it coming, and and just like the Hurricanes, the Reds couldn't get it done. Um, But I think they will continue to grow if they can keep their roster uh, fit and stable. We we saw them, they just got blown off the park by the Hurricanes a couple of weeks earlier. Well, they're they're starting to pull some things together, and I, I think they will be a threat going forward, particularly at home.
3: Do you feel then that uh, James O'Connor, on the evidence of what you saw, uh, should be seriously on Eddie Jones's, um scrap of paper that he's uh, putting together at the moment?
4: Yeah, I'd be staggered if he's not included in a, in a Wallabies camp in April. I just think that the guy has turned his life upside down from where he was a decade ago to where he is now. He was thrown out of, of the Wallabies in 2013 after... Probably the straw that broke the camel's back was an incident at an airport. But now you look at him and he's mature. He, he's poised. <clears throat> and he also makes players around him look better. And that's the really defining feature of him at the moment. People feel comfortable with him when he's out there. I just wonder whether or not is he... Can he play elsewhere other than fly half? And he can because he has in the past. He was the outside centre of the 2019 World Cup. And... He's played full-back a lot in the past and inside centre. I would like just to see him, what else can he do elsewhere? Because he's he's a guy He's only 32. He's not even that old.
3: On Friday night, uh, the Chiefs continued to set the bar on this side of the Tasman. 28-7 over the Highlanders, who can't uh, take a trick at the moment, it, it seems. Um, on the back of some really good form from Sean Stevenson. A couple of tries for him, but... Uh, the back three or four For the All Blacks is um, is always Pretty well populated Sean Stevenson though, might be making a bit of a statement
4: I think he's, he's been on the cusp for about Two or three years hasn't he A guy mm. that's got a pretty freakish ability To finish tries I think it's the little things and We saw on, on that game that The Chiefs, I don't know if they got ahead of themselves But they were pretty frantic They were looking like they were trying to score a try With every play And that's the thing with Stevenson that probably would concern Ian Foster is whether or not he's got the maturity in his game to pick his moments. But you're right, you're pretty well blessed in that back three and we haven't even seen Will Jordan come back yet. But it'll be intriguing. Geordie Barrett continues to impress at 12, doesn't he? It'll be intriguing to see how that All Blacks backline configuration works. Uh, is the Blues experiment still, well, it's not even an experiment, but it is in the All Blacks level. Is Bodie Barrett a ten or is he a fifteen? Because I don't know if you can have guys and playing them out of positions. So, uh, that's the crucial piece of the puzzle. is how do you get the, these individually brilliant players together humming? I mean, and and uh, I'm glad I'm not the one that's having to come up with that All Blacks uh, backline.
3: What about those Waratahs? Uh, they visit Melbourne at the weekend. Probably the second time they've been there actually in two weeks. Thirty-four twenty-seven. Can't get the job done again. What about those? What about the side under Darren Coleman?
4: Well, they certainly overachieved last year. You consider that they didn't win a game in 2021 and, and they made the finals. They got beaten by the Chiefs last year in the quarterfinals. And uh, there was a lot of expectation. You know, Darren Coleman isn't backwards and going forwards. He was saying, no, we should be a, a top four, top five side. Yes, we're not there yet in terms of we're still young, we're growing, but from where we were last year, the expectation is top four. There's making references to being you know, in Sydney, being a big state in Australia, should be the Chicago Bulls, should be a side that people look up to. But unfortunately, they were flat. They were probably not quite there from a preparation perspective with a lot of their players not featuring in trial matches. And they were beaten out of the gates against the Brumbies, came back well against the CG drew last week. We saw them blow two tries in the first 15 minutes on Friday night against the Rebels. And, and then Reese Hodge, Rocky Anderson, a former Australian sevens player, two kicks between them and two tries. and They they never looked comfortable out there. Breakdown still was a mess, attacking breakdown. It kind of resembled a Wallabies side, really. The attacking breakdown in Australia is probably the biggest work on right across the five franchises. And, and and it just seems that they're flat. You can see the devastated looks in the in the dressing sheds. They were seriously flat. And people like Michael Hooper aren't able to change games at the moment, like what we always expect us to have seen for the last decade. So, selection's going to be a big, big thing for Darren Coleman, and, and the Waratahs are playing the Hurricanes, followed by the Chiefs, the Brumbies, and then they've got the Blues only a week or two later than that. So, four of the heavyweights that they're going to be coming up against in the next six weeks it's really season defining this next little patch but selection's the big one for him
3: Christy Doran we're talking to uh, and uh, we were looking very closely at uh, Super Rugby over the weekend uh, and the game of uh, the round from a New Zealand perspective was the Blues visiting Wellington uh, to play the Hurricanes uh, without Ardie Savia of course which was the most talked about thing at the end of round two um, and uh, the Blues getting it done away from home, which is, uh, their record I think is now 15 uh, fifteen from 17 or 16 from 18, which is pretty damn good in, in that run, but they didn't, of course, win the grand final.
0: Yeah, right,
4: they didn't, and uh, look, they looked like they were going to be run over the top at the end there. There was debate between Carl Tanana and, and others about whether or not they should have been opt- opting for a scrum. Um, in the end, Uh Just the the defence, the stoic defence. We saw it for 40 minutes from the Hurricanes, but the Blues managed to aim up right at the end there. And Dalton Papali, geez, he's a good player. And that's another really heavily contested spot at the moment is the back row. But Papalee, geez, he's he's a mature guy. He's abrasive. He's physically strong. He was probably the reason why the Blues hang on there. I thought the, the kicking game from... Barrett wasn't brilliant in the second half, but he showed what he can do when he runs the ball because he made two half-line breaks there around the 60-minute mark. And and it looks like he might be able to pull out some of that magic that we often see. But in the end, there was was no tries there, but a penalty goal and they managed to um, swallow their pride by taking the shot at goals. Great game, great physicality. New Zealand rugby at its best though, isn't it? They just managed to just roll up for each other and and that's the thing from the Australian perspective. You go, geez, wouldn't it be great if we see that from more than the Brumbies because they're the only side that can do it in Australia.
3: Pretty sure Aaron Major and Moana Pacifica might have targeted the force and thought uh, if we're going to win one uh, in Australia, this might be our baby and uh, they just missed out by three.
4: They did, and you feel for them, but it was probably the worst back 50 minutes I've ever seen of a super ugly match. That was There's no two ways you can say it. It was, it was awful. The accuracy was completely missing from the force. There was yellow cards turning into red cards, and neither side really able to take their opportunity. Look... They've got a lot of ground to make up. Uh, The force will be saying to themselves, and Simon Cron, a a man and a name that's very well known in New Zealand, he's talked all about mindset. The force need to improve their mindset because more often than not, when the the game's in the balance, in the past they've lost these matches. But for the second time in three weeks, they beat the Rebels coming from two tries down to to overcome them right at the death in the opening round of Super Rugby. They managed to win a penalty right at the end, right in the depths of the game. And you could see how much it means to them. If they can find a bit of polish uh, going forward, then then they might be in some fringe contests, and they will clearly target games against the Highlanders and home matches against sides that maybe rest players. But they're going to be in for a very long year, particularly when guys like Isaac Rodder are out injured and, and likely to miss a big, big chunk of this season. So... It was green watching, but uh, Moana Pacifica, look, they need to just jag wins at home, don't they? And uh, it's good to see Fiji at the very least managing to show what the Pacific Islands can do. Uh, we can't forget that. this is just the second year of this, of this side in the Super Rugby Comp. They were thrown together at the last moment. Um, COVID riddled 2022. I think patience is important for Moana Pacifica.
3: Christy Doran, uh, always good to chat to you, uh, mate. I, I appreciate your time this morning and um, your uh, perspective over Super Rugby Round 3 with that to result in uh, Lautoka being um, the highlight, I think it's fair to say. Christy, um, I look forward to um, more too from you from theraw.com.au. Thanks for your time.
4: Thanks, mate. Cheers.
3: Cheers. Uh, Christy Doran there with his thoughts um uh, on both sides of the tasman good round up there wasn't it? um on how he sees it um yeah i'm a bit worried about this uh this thing where we, we continue to lose all black players because they just have to have a stand down uh what about a bye week for two teams every now and then a bye week for two teams you're still getting five games of super rugby right still getting five games of super rugby but you have a bye week So no one has to play a game without their best players and they still get a rest. Either that or have a complete week off in the competition. So they all just have a week off, right? Every team has a week off the same week and then they have a break. So no one is um, doing without their key players. Wouldn't that be better? Oh, look, just a suggestion. Might bring it up with the panel actually shortly. Jamie Wall and Ben Strang with us.
1: Your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter,
2: he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. Big
5: talk, big opinions,
1: the
3: panel. Jamie Wall and uh, Ben Strang with us this morning as panellists. uh, Plenty to talk about. Uh, Scotty Scheffler's just dropped a shot so uh, he's only leading by five now with four holes to go uh, and it seems like we're going to have very little chance of uh, any play um straight away or maybe a, at all so ben string that would be a shame because uh, day five was shaping up quite nicely wasn't it for the cricket
9: absolutely uh i was looking forward to see if um new zealand had the you know the ticker i guess that the ability to get through uh to to the close of play and and, and score those runs it's there's so many question marks around the Black Caps at the moment, and and they were put, possibly going to be able to answer one of those today if they could. I mean, it was would have been one of their biggest ever chases, and Sri Lanka looked like they're bowling really, really well. Their seamers have been right on the money, so certainly a challenge, and it would have given players like Henry Nichols the chance to to quiet any doubters, no no doubt. But um, yeah, if, if rain's going to play its part, that's a real shame.
3: Yeah, I'll also deny him the chance to fail as well, um, which means you will probably get another lifeline. Um, Jamie, let's go uh, to Super Rugby, shall we? Let's go to Lautoka uh, I wish we all were there on uh, Saturday afternoon. Some sort of atmosphere and uh, an amazing result. What would you make of that?
8: Yeah, good morning, guys. Uh, yeah, incredible result. Um, but I have to say, it's not. it wasn't as much of a surprise, uh, to to a lot of people was, as you might think, like, yes, it was a, a, a big upset, but considering the team that the Crusaders went in with, um, considering the conditions that they were playing in, and also what I mentioned last week about the strong foundations that the Druers seem to ha- have established this season in the Ford pack, um, they were always going to be a reasonable chance. Uh, and uh, they, they managed to overcome uh, a poor start, you know, conceding a, a couple of tries there uh, by simply just consolidating being very patient and then just waiting for the game to just kind of break open so they could play that really dynamic Fijian style um, that we that we're used to um, even then it did come down to the end um, the goal kicker had absolute mare, Uh so they really should have won that game probably about 10 minutes before they, they, they had to um, with that last minute convert, uh, penalty rather And uh, but the way that they did it uh, was very memorable. And I think that even Crusaders fans, well, maybe not all of them, will agree that it's a really good result for the competition because I feel like it's really legitimized uh, the Super Rugby Pacific concept because it's the first year, obviously, uh, sorry, the the first time in the last couple of years that Sansa have. Bought into the concept of a, of a Pacific Island presence um, with, with the two sides, um, they've both obviously both gone in different directions, and the Drua have have the advantage between them and Moana Pacifica because they have had a few seasons of experience under their belt playing in the Australian competition um, and are able to draw from a more local talent pool. Localized talent pool. Um, so you know they were they were probably always going to be the more successful story early on. Um, But to see them beat the defending champions uh, in that way was was really something and also to do it in front of uh, a really fervent home crowd uh, and in dramatic fashion. Um, I think it it, it does wonders for the competition because it means that the investment, uh, the opportunity given to these teams um, is already starting to pay off. Um, because it's only a good thing that, that that they get good and get these results and so we need to hopefully hope that they can just keep this going keep this sustainable so they don't turn into the, the next sort of Sunwolves scenario but I, I'm, I'm fairly confident they will
3: um, Just uh, to, uh, completing the look uh, a quick look at uh, Super Rugby Ben, uh, the Chiefs continue to set the bar, Highlanders uh, tough start to the season of course, tough draw but they haven't uh, done that well uh, Hurricanes Blues as well, interesting
9: yeah, that was a good game in Wellington uh, on Saturday night. Um, a lot, a lot of my cricket uh, club were eager to get out of the game early and head down to watch. Um, it was, it, it was a good game. It was exciting to watch, and and uh, I think they're both good sides. But the Blues probably just reaffirming that they'll be right up there come the end of the of, of the tournament. The Highlanders agree they. Um, it may have been a tough draw, but they just don't look very good, which is um, unfortunate for Highlanders fans. And I think I said last week, you know, maybe there isn't quite enough talent to, to spread around for franchises at the moment, or maybe it's just that, you know, some teams have four first fives and others have none. It's this, this distribution of talent isn't quite uh, working in New Zealand. Maybe something has to be done about that, because it's a shame when you've got the Highlanders who look uh, significantly weaker but overall, I think the, the quality of the rugby, the, the again, the rules changes are all working really well and it's making a much better product than we would seen in previous years.
3: Take a quick break. We've got Ben String and Jamie Wall with us. A quick break, continue on the rugby theme after the break here with Ottawa in the 10.30 news. Of Six Nations rugby, which finished this morning with Ireland dominating Scotland 22-7 at Murrayfield. Oh, on the back of uh, a shellacking, you could only describe it as that, France stealing to England 53-10, to 10. so those two sides, Ireland and France, uh, of course uh, we knew before the Six Nations started that they were going to be leading contenders for the World Cup, that's confirmed
8: Yeah, absolutely, there seems to be a bit of daylight between those two and the rest of the teams in the, in the, in the tournament um, as it stands, but I think the most important thing we got out of this weekend was the fact that France are showing really no signs of slowing down. They did have that loss in Dublin a few weeks back, but you know, to, when they play to their potential, you can—it's scary, like what they did. Like, not even the All Blacks have done that to England uh, at home before. To um, so just walk into Twickenham uh, and to be able to just dominate them from the word go, right until right until the end uh, and put up a half century i mean that's that's some unbelievable rugby from them and the, and the way they were playing as well uh was just beautiful to watch um the irish uh again uh just sort of went about their work against scotland you know they, they got the result that most people would have predicted which is what they've done uh all along and and the way and the way they're playing is it's fascinating kind of um comparison to the way France play are far more long range and and um, based around their, their halves. the, the while, Whereas the, the Irish are a lot more tight, close in, more well drilled and only seem really worried about what they're going to do rather than what the opposition are going to do. And I think that's a sign of a, of a really, really good team as well. But but I think the, the big story, obviously, given that they dominate the, the, the news so much, is, is where this leaves England right now. Because um, you know, obviously Steve Worthwick's come in uh, with a mandate to, to clean up the mess, the, the supposed mess that Eddie Jones had made, and now it just looks messier than ever. I think there's still plenty of time for them to, to fix, fix their act uh, before the World Cup starts, and you do have to remember that they are on the soft side of the draw because the way that the World Cup uh, is drawn, and, and it's, it's just insane that it's worked out this way, is that only one team out of the All Blacks, Springboks, Ireland and France is going to make the final, and then there's everyone else on on the other side. And you'd have to say that if England just get a bit of luck and can kind of figure out some way of you know playing reasonably efficient brand of rugby, they're, they're a pretty good shot of making the final even now. So yeah, plenty of plenty of stuff to think about there. And as for Wales and Italy, well, I mean that was it was good to see Wales kind of bounce back there. But Terran Crowley was very very um, adamant in this post match. Uh, uh, remarks that he was not happy with the refereeing and, and, and that was uh, definitely something to be looked at as well
3: Biggest belief actually doesn't it, that they do the draw so damned early rather than do it on form and seedings and they could, they could do the damn draw now um, you know, at the conclusion of um, the Six Nations Hell, how hard would that be? Uh, right, um, let's look at the Warriors those Warriors, Ben Strang who I think perhaps will be sitting back thinking that's uh, one that got away uh, over the Roosters at the weekend
9: Yeah, possibly. Uh, I I kind of, despite it being a loss and, and, uh, you know, being, you know, Warriors fans being so up after the the first round victory, I I feel like um, just the way that they played and the way that they tried to fight back when they were, you know, well down in the first half and, and early in the second, like, they... They're just already showing more than perhaps they had did last season. Uh, more heart and and more intensity on defence, and and you know, it could have easily been an absolute blowout if this was last season. And instead, it's a you know really quite a narrow loss. They pulled it back to just six points in the second half, and 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 showed some real fight. So, I think there's actually going to be a lot of positives from Warriors fans. I've got a few on. Facebook, who you know religiously every week will will put their little update on how the Warriors are going, and, and usually they get darker and darker as the season progresses. But, um, just just uh, over the weekend, the messages were of uh, hope and and uh, in some ways delight that they, they did see that fight from the Warriors. So I think that what has been shown on the field uh, by Andrew Webster and his team is is really positive at the moment.
3: Uh, you concur with that, Jamie? Uh, yeah,
8: yeah, as in I I do like the way they're going about playing. Like it's, it's, there's, there seems to be a change in attitude on defence, which is obviously something the Warriors have struggled with in the last uh, couple of years. But at the same time, we're two rounds into a 25 round regular season mm. for these guys. I think I, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I think we'll have a really good idea of where this Warriors season is headed around by end day because that is when they go to Melbourne and, you know, win or lose. The effort that goes into that game is going to tell us what this team's really made of. Melbourne are having a few <laughs> worries of, the, of their own. Maybe they'll be a bit more vulnerable this year. Uh, but at the same time, that's always been a kind of a mental hurdle I've always felt for the Warriors that if they can get a result or at least a decent performance in that game, that kind of sets them up for what's going to happen next. Um, in In saying that though i don 't really think they 've got the players to make a much of a, a much of anything other than perhaps sneaking into the eight, which would be a, a good result. Um, I do like the way the coaching staff uh, is set up; it does have a different kind of feeling down there. I amounts mean, not have been down there a couple of times for media and it it does feel a little bit different down there uh, but at the same time they they need they need some more big name players to really kind of make a make a difference. Um, in the NRL, and, and like I said, it's a very long season, so, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this later later in the year and perhaps look back and laugh about what mm. I'm saying tonight, right now.
3: On that basis, Ben, um, we, we perhaps shouldn't read too much into uh, the Dolphins' great start, their top of the table, but hell, no-one picked this, did they?
9: No, no, uh, the, only, the only reason at all you would think they might make that start is because they have Wayne Bennett uh, in the coach's box, but it's um, it's pretty remarkable, and and that's probably the the thing I do think about rugby league is is um, as Jamie said, maybe the Warriors don't have the players to to make a run at the title, or you know, and 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 it will be just to try to sneak into the eight. But we have seen in the past teams that don't appear to have big names uh, do pretty well when a coach can set up a really good system and have the players all on board. And early signs are that the Dolphins maybe maybe have that with Wayne Bennett. So, um, yeah, very, very exciting to watch them do so well.
3: Uh, rightio, uh, here we go, uh, Jamie. We are heading to Sydney for a one-game shootout between the Breakers, who were outstanding last night, and the Sydney Kings. How are you reading this one?
8: Ooh, yeah, big, uh, big call. I I I don't know. It's, uh, I I'm guessing the Kings are going in as as favourites because of the the big home home court advantage that comes uh, with not just with the series, but not just with this competition, but with the sport itself. And we've seen the ramifications of that happen uh, last night when uh, you had the Sydney Sydney Kings coach um, getting pretty angry about the sort of calls that were getting made that he claimed in response to just. Um, uh, uh, the the crowd pressure that was getting put on. So, you know, it, it, it was awesome to see 9,500 uh, nine, nine in Spark Arena last night, which I believe is a, a record for any basketball game in New Zealand. But I, I think there's going to be about twice as many uh, in, um, in the, at the Sydney's home court. Uh, so that's going to just put the pressure right back on the breakers, and they need to kind of find a way, uh, a new way to do it, because the way the results have gone now, it's been a very defense heavy um, series so far, not a lot of points have been scored, so they they have to make sure that their their defense is obviously not drawing as many fouls as possible and they're not getting themselves into foul trouble early because it it might really come down right down to the end. No, none of these games have you know come down to and uh, you know sort of last minute or last second play sort of thing, but I feel like this one is going to because uh, it's been that good um so far, it's deserving of a, of a real grandstand finish.
3: And Ben, uh, how do you see it?
9: Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a great game. I thought that the way that the uh, Sydney coach came out and, and you know was so upset about the uh, performance of the referees and that sort of thing, I think he's just masking the fact that his team was well beaten. Uh, we see it all the time, particularly in basketball, when a coach will come out and basically try to take the heat off his own players and start blaming something else, blaming the officiating, blaming this and that, and uh, he sort of went straight to the to the uh to the book there with that and i think uh, you know as soon as he was asked about you know isn't basketball is a physical game though isn't it and he stormed out i think that's the point is that it is physical and sometimes as a team you have to match up to the other team's physicality yes maybe the referees didn't make some certain calls but you've just got to play the game and uh so i think in some ways new zealand the, the breakers are under their skin and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing if Modi Mayer can can make those little tweaks that he's going to need to, because Sydney will change things slightly. Um, but it's going to be a little chess match between the coaches. It's, I've got no idea how to pick it, but uh, but it's going to be a great game.
3: It is indeed, uh, gentlemen. Uh, thanks so much for your input this morning. Uh, so Jamie Wall and uh, Ben String have a terrific day. Uh, we'll catch up with you guys again shortly. Uh, it is 10:42 here on SENZ.
2: Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
3: Uh, Texts uh, continue to come in. Thank you, uh, Jim, from Tamuka. Unfortunately, Smith, there's heavy rain following the front blowing through Tamuka, and it's heading straight to line for Christchurch. So if there's any play today, it'll be a miracle. Thanks for the text, uh, Jim, but not so good with the news within the text. Uh, Doug Bracewell, what does he have to do to get a go again? Well, I think he just has to turn up fit to the Basin reserve, to be perfectly honest here. Wagner is not able to play. Uh, I would be thinking that Doug Bracewell will, will be at least the third seamer there uh, between, behind uh, Southey and Henry and Doug Bracewell. And uh, whether they play Tickner or what they do again with that team will be interesting. They might even be talking about it now, because it doesn't seem to uh, to do too much. Uh, And we also um, got a text in to say, I hope you can play the YouTube audio of Zoe Hobbs breaking 11 seconds in Sydney yesterday. The Australian commentary team were going absolute gaga over her achievement. Well, if you give uh, Logan Swinkles a task, he generally comes up with the goods. Logan.
8: 11-11, the Australian record. Away. Anang, well, she got a good start, but she's a bit of a loper. Hobbs has run well. Anang has got some work to do. Have a look at Hobbs. Hobbs is in a hurry here. Lewis running quickly. Hobbs down to the line. 10.99. 10.99. The win is
6: plus 0.5. We'll wait for the official time, but the time at the
8: moment starts with a 10. Wow. Zoe Holmes has broken 11 seconds. Please let it stay there, and it has. It's been rounded down to
4: 10.97. What a fabulous run by Zoe! She was quick out. She was strong through the
5: middle. She relaxed at the back end, and she was away, Dave.
10: 10.97.
8: What? That is some run.
3: That is staggering. Uh, it is uh, carrying on with uh, Carlos's text. Uh, Carlos, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, if nothing else happens in her career this year, it will go down as a halberg moment of the year. Surely it does. Her time yesterday would have given her a silver at the 2018 Beijing final, a bronze in Athens in 2004, fifth in Tokyo, seventh in London, and eighth in Rio. So all of those Olympic Games should have been lining up in the final and going pretty damn close. And she's going to get better. Uh, now that she's broken it, you can expect... Uh, that she's going to do it on a more regular basis, given the conditions and given, um, you know, the kind of competition that she's going to run up against. That is a sensational, sensational part of the weekend sporting action. So much more to talk about as well. Uh, I'll give you a, a golf update, though. Uh, Scotty Scheffler is now 17-under, playing the 16th. He's human. He made a bogey on 15, so proved that he is human. But he's still got a five-shot lead over Terrell Hatton, who sits in the clubhouse uh, weighing up the possibility of about $2.5 million US for coming second. <laughs> for coming second, goodness me. Okay, it is uh, 10.50 here on SENZ. We shall be back shortly.
0: The loveracing.nz
5: update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. <laughs>
3: Yes, and Louis Herman what of course, these days is a Christchurch resident, sir. Give us an update.
5: Um, pretty average, cold. I actually tricked myself into going for a run this morning because I was looking at the weather forecast and it was meant to be the rain radar, it had mostly passed, but I got outside and it was um, raining sideways. So <laughs> it's, not, it's not looking promising for the although it does seem it's going to burn off into the afternoon or blow over at least. So I don't know, they might get three, four hours I don't think it'll be long enough Maybe I'm being a pessimist, I don't know It's pretty hard to tell But right now it's grey, it's sideways rain And it's cold
3: Okay, ugly, ugly, ugly um, Racing awards uh, later on in the year And I think we can uh, probably put a ribbon around uh, Tokyo Tycoon as uh, the two-year-old of the year, can't we?
5: Karaka Million winner, five from five And a Group One winner so what more do you want from um, a very special juvenile horse? Uh, he's a natural two-year-old, as Stephen McKee said in the weekend. He's got he that slight frame, but he's done it by sitting outside the leader. He's done it from coming last on the bend in the Karaka Million. He's done it for getting cover, and he's done it left and right-handed. So <laughs> essentially, he's, he's the perfect two-year-old, and he will be the champion two-year-old of the year. Not a doubt in the world about that.
3: Okay, uh, what did you make of the Bone Crusher so surviving a protest of uh, Prowess? It got a pretty tight down the straight. Um, could have flown a, uh, thrown a decent-sized blanket over the, the three-place getters.
5: Yeah, right decision to um, throw that protest out. Definitely right decision. Uh, what we've seen from Prowess is it's almost sharp and smart, like the way she's really kicked again. Yes, she was only carrying 52 kgs. Um, Michael McNabb got down to that weight and still had the whip in his left hand and was trying to straighten her out. She came out, she carved up defibrillate, uh, but he wasn't going to win. Then he bumped, she bumped um, Campionessa, but I think Campionessa just peaked on her run as well, so that's probably what they were looking at. Campionessa wasn't likely to go past her. And The filly was lifting again. This is a freakish crop of three-year-old Smithy. Legato, sharp and smart, prowess. Um, Crow West about to head over and take on the Vinery and probably win that in Sydney that means they would all have Group 1's in Australia to their name now how do you rank those 1, 2, 3 and 3-year-olds a year
3: yeah very very tough um, uh, we'll talk uh, a little bit perhaps tomorrow about the Platinum uh, Invader winning of uh, the Auckland Cup we've got to get across to Paul Moati at uh, the TAB, you stay warm down there Louie, can't have you taking days off because you've got the flu, so you'd be very careful um, Paul Moati um, if you're back Scotty Sheffler, I think your money's in the bin, isn't
11: it? Yes, that's right uh, Smitty what, he's currently on the par 5 16th green he holds a 5 shot lead over the clubhouse leader, Tyrell Hatton, who is sitting on 12-under, but um, something catastrophic would have to go wrong here for Scotty Scheffler not to win the Players' Championship. Um, just looking at a little bit of other live sport, of course, the, it's day five of the se- of the first test match between the Black Caps and Sri Lanka. Um, a bit of rain interfering with play, unfortunately. You can still get the draw at $1. twenty. Uh, with us at the moment. Black Caps are $5.30. The Sri Lankans are out to $11.50. Uh, what else have we got here? Just uh, checking up on the New Zealand Breakers. Of course, their big game on Wednesday night. they are seventy to beat the Sydney Kings in that uh, winner-take-all final. The Sydney Kings are now $1.42. Money for the Breakers, though, at both uh, the head-to-head and at the end, plus five and a half on the point start. Uh, and in the NRL, um, I don't know. I don't think the bookies are respecting the Dolphins. They're a dollar eighty favourite um, against the Newcastle Knights. But what have the Knights done? They lost to uh, the Warriors and only just beat a very, very poor West Tigers side on the weekend. So Dolphins taking early money again. They're a dollar eighty favourite to beat the Newcastle
1: Knights on Friday night. and are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts, and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to
2: behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
3: Round two of the NRL delivered another great weekend of action and drama on and off the field, kicking off with the reigning premiers earning their first win of the season and finishing last night with the Dragons slaying the Titans. But there were some serious surprises uh, along the way again. As always, here to break down the action and controversy from the greatest game of all, the voice of Rugby League and our own SCN brethren, Andrew Voss. And Vossy. good morning to you. The first thing, uh, though, came off the field where Peter Volandis looking to a potential NRL expansion that would see 20 teams. Would there be player death to supply 20 teams?
12: Uh, good morning, Smithy. Good morning to all our listeners. Yeah, well, my, my short answer is... No, without raids, probably, of England. Uh, Look, I I, I definitely think we go to 18. I think we can. Um, 20, eh, I mean, you could put the planning in. You could certainly announce it and say, well, we're we're doing this. If the areas that we're bringing in, and they're talking about Pacifica, if it's based out of somewhere in New Zealand, would probably make more sense, and Papua New Guinea based out of Cairns, I I suppose there's time. If you put, I don't know, how many years in advance would you want to name that? Like, the 18th team ready to go, I, I... I would like a second New Zealand side, but now if you're throwing a Pacifica angle into it, well, that changes the landscape there, then maybe I'm leaning towards Perth coming in next. But and Look, I'm happy that they are talking expansion, that we're not sitting on our hands, because it did feel like we'd, we'd, we did that for about 10 years, to be honest. Um, I, and I would like to have an 18th team. I, I would rather have an um, an even number. That shouldn't be the reason for having an 18th team, but I would much rather have everyone playing every week. I'm not a, a huge buy fan, Smithy. Um, so that's where we're at. Um, where should it be? I will stick by my original thoughts. The next team that comes into the competition, we've shown what can happen in Queensland, a fourth team. I'm saying a second team in New Zealand. I'm not just saying that because I'm on New Zealand radio. That's what I honestly believe. A second New Zealand team, but I'm not the bean counter. I'm not the one putting up the funds. Can it be financially supported? That's for others to work out.
3: Well, Wossey, let's get to the action over the weekend. And, of course, we like to focus here on the Warriors went down to the Roosters 20-12. to 12. Uh, But they'll look at a crucial period in the game, I would imagine, uh, where they went through a period of not having a dummy half when they were hot on attack dropped some key balls um, and, you know, really they were their own worst enemy at a crucial time.
12: Yeah, it was only 8-6 at halftime. The the Warriors will feel like they left a lot of football out on the field in that game. Look, it was a warm Sydney Saturday afternoon, but but can't, you know, be used as an excuse when the two teams are playing in the same conditions. Um, From the injury perspective, Jackson Ford gone early, um, Chance Nickel, Kluchstar, then Josh Curran had an injury problem, so they were... There were degrees of adversity, but the actual execution by the Warriors would have been very disappointing for Andrew Webster in some basics. Um, And 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 while you – look, your aim is – what do they say? You, You strive for perfection. You'll never get there, but you might catch excellence on the way through. Well, the Warriors were well short of excellent You know, they just made some basics And you've got to not, not be flawless But you've got to give Against big teams, big match teams And there's enough big match players in the Roosters Like Kiri and Tedesco and Swaliti in great form you, you just don't want to give them cheap ball Or, or squander opportunities and, and the Warriors did both of those things, sadly A few too many times on Saturday
3: Sean Johnson, again Looked uh, devoid of ideas uh, at crucial stages as well
12: well, devoid of ideas or just, yeah, just not the, um, yeah, I'd, I'd say it's a cross between that and and the authority. Like we, we have this expectation, Sean Johnson at this point of his career to be the game manager and controller and those sorts of things and really take the reins and it, it didn't happen. But I don't think he was the sole cause for um, the defeat and the way things unfolded. I mean, look, uh, let's try and turn it in. Let's put a positive spin. It's not overly drastic. Um, it's a twenty to twelve scoreline, and as I say, a game that was eight six at half time. It, it's not like it's. It certainly wasn't an embarrassment. You just felt that it was. It was a frustration because the previous week, your expectations had grown because of the resilience shown, and there were some really classy touches um, the previous week from the Warriors. But um, they went out the window on many occasions on Saturday. So yeah, not 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 catastrophic by any stretch. At all, but a little bit of you know, back to the drawing board stuff for the Warriors this week.
3: Uh, do you you look at the Warriors? I mean, one of the big words that towards the end of last year's uh, mess, really, I think, is the only way to describe it, was attitude. You see an attitude improvement?
12: Uh yes. I, well, I certainly did round one. There's no no question of that. Everything, you know, everything Andrew Webster assessed out of round one, I think we all saw it. Um, and and I do think um. He, he's had an impact. Obviously, whatever they've done in the off season has had an impact into the psyche of um, the squad and the, and the new players there, in the likes of uh, Nia Kore and Barnett, uh, Nickel Klukstar. You know, they, they're good first grade players. I, you know, seasoned first grade players, and I, I think everything I've heard about them and seen of them, you know, thorough professionals as well off the field. So, I think the edge is there. Um, but be to put. This week's performance just gone by in full context to know the impact where the Warriors at. I think we do have to wait until this time next week when we're reviewing the match against the Cowboys. I mean that's a tough road trip um, to go to Townsville. Uh, Cowboys have started uh, both their matches very well at the moment, early tries and 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 have a lot of points in them. So we will get a good gauge on the Warriors where they are at after this weekend. With a round three battle against the Cowboys.
3: Right, this uh, round got underway with the Panthers getting back on track, uh, but the big talking point, of course, was uh, the the claims and uh, seems to have been a fact uh, from some young kid and uh, racist taunts, which um, are no place anywhere in the world, but um, particularly uh, when it comes to just a game of sport like that. That's just. Atrocious. Oh,
12: look, it's all, it's all very disappointing, Smithy. Um, we, we are talking about a 15-year-old here, and the alleged comments now, as I understand it, in, in dealings with police and that, he's denied that there was any uh, racial um, mention in the, in the comments. But, but even then, I'm wondering, like, seriously, we're going along to a game of rugby league. That is one of the superstars. And yes, he'd had the comment during the week about the windscreen and all of that, but that's just a bit of bit of argy bargy. For for a fifteen year old to be that motivated to go down to the tunnel at half time and, you know, sledge one of the stars of the opposition, that's just that's just not on. I, forget the racial vilification, which is horrible, but I'm saying for just the abuse thought of a 15-year-old to do that at a game of football. No, just enjoy the occasion. Your team's in front, although mind you, he was wearing a Roosters jersey, but I, I tell you, he's a Penrith fan. I mean, man, just we we, we live in great countries, New Zealand, Australia. We enjoy our sport. Um, they're great nights out. Just, just leave it out. The abuse of any level, of anyone, of any colour, when we're talking our sports, people, boo them by all means. I mean, that's, that's part of the fun of the football, isn't it? They're the enemy, but you don't have to have personal abuse of any kind against an athlete. It just doesn't need to go there, Smithy.
3: Totally agree. Totally agree. Couldn't uh, emphasise it better. Uh, look, uh, Els uh, 26, Sharks getting up over them uh, 30, which was slightly against the odds. Moses and Sevo grabbing doubles. Uh, and multiple try scorers being the theme with William Kennedy of the Sharks getting a hat trick.
12: What about this stat out of this game, Smithy? Now, Mitchell Moses, that was his 200th match and he's done all he could. He scored a couple of tries, kicked three goals. His record now in milestone games, lost his debut, lost his 50th game, lost his 100th, lost his 150th and has now lost his 200th. <laughs> um, just just a heads up for two years' time when he's playing potentially his 250th, get on the opposition. I, I just don't. I don't think I've never heard of that. I, I don't think there'd be anyone in the history of sport have that sort of milestone disappointments. We hear about you know, milestone games are big. Dan in Melbourne, it's part of their you know, cornerstones of their culture. Is that we we aim up in milestone games for our you know our top players. But for poor Old Mitchell, he's just he just can't buy a win. And and Cronulla, I, I thought a really good performance. Still no Nico Hines. Um, I, look, can Cronulla match last year where they finished second regular season? I'm not sure about that, but they look at their best. Very much another finals team this year and and top four not beyond them.
3: Broncos 28, Cowboys 16. I think most people would regard that, on early season tipping anyway, as a surprise. And the performance of Payne Haas.
12: Oh, Payne Haas has just got a massive motor. I mean, he was non-stop. I'll give you some others. Ezra Mann, the young 5'8", he is dynamic. Uh, Reynolds is doing his job at a half. Reese Walsh, Smithy. Warriors fans must have watched that and thought, wow, like he he was so good, Reese Walsh. He looks even quicker. Um he he beats two and three players so quick. Greg Alexander was blown away. The great Brandy on our breakfast show here today, blown away by the efforts of Reese Walsh. There's a there's a there's a football side in the Broncos, and if you're not aware, what about this? The vagaries of the draw. The Broncos play have a run at the moment that started the other night. Five straight weeks playing at Suncorp Stadium. And then in the sixth week, they play on the Gold Coast. So they get a start to the season and they get to stay at home and play at home week after week after week. How does that work? How does that work? They only have two trips to Sydney from here until the rest of the season. That's, how does that, who does this draw? How does that work? They played Penrith in round one in Penrith. But they've only got a trip to Belmore and a trip to Cronulla are the only other games they will play in Sydney this year. Now... That's also, there's a bit of the draw to do with that. Manly Magic Ground is a Manly home game, played at Suncorp. And South Sydney are taking their match against the Broncos to the Sunshine Coast. So, you know, that's how it's fallen. But it's, uh, you know, they're in the box seat at the moment, the Broncos, to string together a whole bunch of wins and sit very pretty through the first five or six weeks of this competition. And uh, the form that they played and displayed the other night... um, (laughs) Look out They're they're a threat They're playing really good
3: First team in Competition Of this nature Don't win their first two in a row But they They really When it comes to a tight finish And both games have been this uh, They're usually the team That doesn't have the experience Or the combination Etc To win the tight ones They won them both the Dolphins
12: Well Experience is something they're not short on. And while we question, you know, their signings and where's the marquee signing, Wayne Bennett was signing some pretty seasoned players. And, and really, the contribution of Gafusi, the Bromwich brothers, should we have really expected anything less? I mean, they are proud professionals who have been there and done that in the game. They're not on pension funds. They've still got a bit, you know, a fair bit to offer, not just a little bit. They've got a fair bit to offer. They've they've trailed in both their games and they have come back to win... Um, they are a sensational story so far. If they win this Friday night against an injury-depleted Newcastle, they will play the Broncos in round four at Suncorp. They may have to add another grandstand to fit the sixty or 70,000 in that would want to go. It will be a full house, the Dolphins, new kids on the block, and everyone wants those hats, Smithy. I think that's mm. a, a marketing masterstroke, very much out of American sport and the cheeseheads and all that. Everyone's wearing hats. It looked like it was pouring rain the, on Saturday. But everyone's having a good time. And the team delivered the result as well. That's going to bring more people in. And and Wayne Bennett, just sitting back, curling the mow. Um, two games into a season, great stuff, Dolphins. What what inclusion they've been to the competition.
3: Amazing uh, footage of uh, Wayne Bennett in the dressing room afterwards. They Just standing there like a proud grandfather almost, and then yep. leaving them to it. I, I thought it was a million. Yep. Whereas uh, through the other side... Uh, what was Ricky Stewart doing?
12: Yeah, well, yeah, well, poor old Ricky. I mean, the team squandered another double-digit lead. I mean, they're, the, they're, they're sadly the leaders at doing that. It just happens way too often. Yeah, Wayne Bennett, you just got to love his style. I loved what he did the previous week when he was talking about um, Katoa, the young um, 5'8 on debut. You know, a journalist threw a question in saying, you know, absolutely sensational. And Wayne said, oh, no, I don't think so. He just, you know... He can get a lot better than that. He he just did his job, and yeah, I thought Wade great at tempering that. Um, uh, he he'd be loving this at the moment. Um, yeah, and as I say, get past the Knights and be three and zero, going to a head-on cra- uh you know collision and and match against Brisbane, that will be absolutely must-see viewing for everyone. I mean, suddenly the Dolphins, everyone's second favourite team over here, Smithy. I don't know about New Zealand, but Mm. everyone wants to, you know, six o'clock Friday night will be one of the must-see games of the round. People want to watch the Dolphins play. Want to watch this story continue.
3: Well, people used to feel uh, quite the same way against uh, Melbourne there for a while, their second favourite team, particularly over here anyway. Mm. Uh, but here's a side that was, um, I was going to say upset by the Bulldogs, but a lot of people are saying the Bulldogs are not that bad this year.
12: Definitely improved, um, but what I will say about Melbourne is their depth has never been more tested than right now. And now you add the likes of Nelson for Solomona to the injured list for six to eight weeks, knee injury, uh no Pappenhausen, no Munster, no Ollams Xavier Coates was out the other night. Uh Dewey Kamakamita is gone. Um It it was a it was the thinnest looking Melbourne squad I had seen outside of an origin period. Uh they had two wingers that had seven games between them. They had a five eight starting at six for the first time. Uh they their bench experience was 22 games between the four players and in that 22 games you're talking players who've played you know 10 minute stints and 15 minutes since so gee you know there was so much pressure on the likes of Jerome Hughes and Harry Grant and Bulldogs led 26 nil after 30 after 50 minutes so um, Melbourne then they're not in strife but it's a very tough period for them Uh, they play Titans and Tigers the next two weeks now on You know, on the basis, you think, well, you know, they're going to start favourites in those too. But, gee, if they keep losing players, you know, Melbourne, you know, not without possibility, will have uh, lost more than they've won through the first five or six weeks of the competition, given their uh, playing personnel at the moment that's available.
3: Uh, West Tigers, uh, not too much expected of the West Tigers, although... Um, on the back of their start to the season, there are reports uh, coming out of Australia. We believe um, that the, the Tim Sheens and Benji Marshall r- relationship is not perfect.
12: Well, the, people have quashed that from the inside. Um, the way it, it's an unusual setup. All the coach box shots yesterday from the game have Benji and Robbie Farrar up in the box, and then late in the game, Tim Sheens on the sideline, barking instructions. Uh, two ways of looking at yesterday's game, Knights. Arguably the bravest win in that club's history, proud history, uh, given Ponga knocked out first minute, Jaden Braley 15th minute, Tyson Frazeloff injured, Dom Young-Sinbin first half, Jacob Siafiti sent off with 15 to go, or you can say that is one of the worst attacking performances I've ever seen by an NRL side. Um, we had a caller this morning on our breakfast show. Uh, do you have the Salvation Army in New Zealand? They said the yes, Salvation Army have a better... They said the Salvation Army have a better attack than the Tigers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Now, that's, that's quite a scoring punch. The Tigers attack, and all their mistakes yesterday, probably 80 90% of them, came with the ball inside their opponent's half. Um, there was one instance that I, I called. I'd have to go back and watch it. Luke Brooks got the ball about 30 metres out. He ran across field... 30, 35 metre smithy, and not one person was running onto the ball. He went past statue, statue, statue. Eventually got to the wing and turned him back inside because he would have run. He would have run onto the hill if he kept running sideways. I mean that's embarrassing. So tigers have so much work to do. They've had two matches at home in front of big crowds and have have been an absolute letdown. Massive improvement needed from the tigers.
3: Dragons, Titans, just to round things off. Uh, the Dragons, uh, after a bye of round one, got a, off to a good start.
12: Well, yes, the result, but after 20 minutes, probably Dragons fans were sitting there going, oh, no, here we go. Yeah, they were down 12-2 after 20 minutes. Um, and and be, you know, some people might have said, oh, well, Rast, they're coming off the bye and all that. I thought the Dragons' performance was really good. Uh, I know the Titans scored the last try of the game, closed the gap to 14. I thought a 20-point margin before the last try by Big Tino, was a fair reflection of the difference between the teams. I'd be very encouraged, if I was a Dragons fan, what I saw there. Um, I don't know what to make of the Titans. First week, they were very solid, very resilient against the Tigers, but now that form is put in perspective. So perhaps we've gone a little bit too confident on the Titans after the first week against a poor Tigers, and then they've met uh, the Dragons this week. But Winning beats losing Smithy And the Dragons fans should celebrate this week Uh, They've got the Broncos next up Um, So they're off and running Uh, Coach Anthony Griffin already under pressure People have been framing markets He'll be the first coach to go And all of that sort of thing He'd be proud of his team's performance first up
3: Andrew Voss, as always uh, No one better to give us a review of the weekend Uh, Enjoyed your calls over the weekend um, And look forward to them next weekend as well Voss, you have a terrific week over there in Sydney
12: Thank you Smithy And I just want to ask you A question to finish You're down to your last $10 Would it be on A draw Australia v India On the last day Or India win And and Australia trailing by 88 Going into the last day Of the test With 10 wickets in hand Your last $10 Draw Is it on Australia Draw, or draw uh, On India or draw Draw Okay thank it, you for It's that. a draw It's a draw And draw, I'm nervous
3: Double it up Double it up Draw New Zealand uh, Vers Sri Lanka as well It's raining in Christchurch So there you go There's your multi nah. for the day
12: Gamble responsibly. See you, Smithy.
3: (laughs) Uh, Cheers, Fossey. as always. Uh, We're going to the sports desk uh, next with Logan Swinkles.
1: Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts, and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This
2: is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Turn up the volume, we're crossing live to the Sports Desk. What's fresh? What's making waves? Let's find out.
0: Yes, welcome to the Sports Desk And Smithy. Along with everything else that's been happening over the weekend, there's just been so many other great results uh, for New Zealand athletes that we haven't touched on yet. One, the Beach Ferns are New Zealand Tour and New Zealand Open champions after taking the final New Zealand Beach Tour Uh, premier final with a 2-1 win over Olivia McDonald and Alaina Chacon Chacon, at Mount Maunganui yesterday. Beach Ferns Sean Napoli and Ellie Simon were up against the Americans. They once again showed why they've been impossible to separate through this series with another final that went down to the wire. The Beach Ferns opened with controlled accuracy, taking a 5-1 lead early despite all servers taking some time to find their range. McDonald and Chacon found their rhythm in the second set, steadily building a lead with McDonald blocking Polly to go up 9 5, then making a soft touch to go up 11.6. 6. Zyman and Polly came out firing in the third, racing to 5 1, then 7 1, when Polly found open sand with a well placed shot before tipping a shot over McDonald to get to 8 3. Zyman made a pair of spikes to make it 10-5, but McDonald and Chacon weren't going down without a fight, as you'd imagine, with Chacon penning two points back in a row to tie it up 11-all. Polly spiked it to make it 11-12, with Zyman following with a delicate serve To make it 13 11 before closing it out with a scrambling rally to finish and take the 2 1 win. They won the first set 21 18, lost the second set 14 21 and won the third 15 11. Some good beach volleyball action down in the Mount Smithy.
3: I think called too by uh, Lavina Good. She was doing the broadcasting for that, so she'll have enjoyed that. what about, um, as, as we're talking, I should just say that um, Scotty Scheffler's doing the best walk in golf. Well, not quite, because it's not a major, but he's five shots clear walking to the 18th green, put it that way. Uh, I think his grandmother's uh, alongside the green as well. Uh, but what about this Chase Buford situation? Walking out of a press conference, Logan, and you you might have been normally been at that press conference.
0: I laughed at that when I saw that clip, Smithy, because there was one Mark Hinton asked, Asking that question, a very highly respected uh, basketball writer, as we all know, and I think it was very fair. If you keep shipping in on on that and saying, "Look, you know, maybe the breakers got away with too much physicality," I think it's a fair question to to ask uh, Chase Buford. Don't you think basketball is a physical game? And the thing that I find strange here, Smithy is he's sort of alluding to the fact, Okay, did did Matt Walsh somehow influence the decision because uh, the breakers were looking to potentially have a few players fouled out in game three and so his Twitter account is influencing the game? He only needs to look within his own front office um, where they also have a very outspoken owner in Paul Smith. Outspoken both... Uh, out to the media and on his own on social media, on Twitter, he's, you know, he sees a lot. So I just don't really, it's like one of those throw stones in glass houses kind of situation, Smithy. Uh, he's he's going to put a lot of attention onto how game five is officiated by the refs, but really it should just come down to who's going to be the better team.
3: It is. And um, yeah, I, 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 there's it, a play in that. And, and you're dead right. I've seen this before in other sport too. Um, You know, that far out from a grand final situation, people start talking about referees, and it's an old trick. It's an old trick by uh, not such an old dog. But uh, anything else you'd like to
0: highlight? Uh, Yeah, the Wellington Phoenix. What a weekend they had, both men's and the women's. I'll get to the men's first. When they bet Phoenix, I'm sorry, (laughs) they are the Phoenix. They bet Sydney FC at Eden Park. This is how it sounded on SCNZ.
11: Now to the right fullback Elliott who's 10 metres past the halfway line. Jan Sas in a central midfield position. He can take a nice diagonal ball out towards the left edge of the area. Maragas takes a heavy touch. High ball. Back yep. oh, so Too big! Too strong! Leaping high over King! He is the King! He knocks it into the left hand corner and puts the Wellington Phoenix up by one
1: goal to nil
11: line with the top of the area final few seconds no
0: the final second
2: in fact because Crispy blows the whistle and the Wellington Phoenix have held on
0: boy did they hold on Smithy for basically the majority of that second half it was all Sydney FC just constantly attacking and Oli Sale does what Ollie Sale does best and he to just denied them. It's a shame that he's going to go to Perth Glory. So they beat Sydney FC and the previous day. So they completed the double because the Wellington Women's Phoenix also beat Sydney FC 1 0 on the road thanks to Kate Taylor. So it was a bit of a bottom of the table win against the top of the table. They still remain there at the bottom. As for the men, though, Smithy, they're really pushing for it. I would say a top six finish is definitely. I mean I think it's probably guaranteed at this point in the season but they're up against Adelaide United next who are second. They're only three points behind them so there's one win and there's every piece of chance, they're not going to catch Melbourne City probably, they're just too far ahead but they could finish in the top two. That's just how good the Phoenix have been this season, Smithy.
3: Yeah amazing story, absolutely amazing story mate. Um, Sheffler's won just by the bye, uh out of the sports desk too. Logan is by one. The sunk a, just aptly sunk a thirty foot putt on the last for par as well. So uh, thirty foot putt just just to just to top it all off and uh, very very emotional um, as they tend to be the golfers. But uh, I don't think the money matters to him. Um, he's got his uh, whole family there, so it's just amazing scenes they are. Um, uh, we've got a uh, hundred bucks up for grabs now, haven't we? Yeah, because we, we won on Friday. Um, so we should get into that now, it's 11.33 or a little bit late for the news but that's just fine Uh, we'll invite your calls 0800 150 811 0800 150 811 Uh, Stump Smithy this morning worth 100 bucks Uh, thanks for that Logan, Uh, Logan will be Quizmaster very shortly and Brian's waiting for your calls here at Aroha
7: Ian Smith's had a good match here Stumped by Smithy Ian Smith really is top class at his job
0: Yes, it's time to play Stumped here on ECNZ mornings with Ian Smith. We're up to a hundred dollar TAB bonus bet because Smithy got the jackpot on Friday. Well done, mate! You did well with uh, I'm sure producer Kieran held the fort for me quite nicely. He did, he did. Um, he was a this, he debuted in this role. You know, this
3: role you're about to um, undertake again. It, it was his debut, and I think it's fair to say. He was a little bit nervous, a little bit of overcome by the whole uh, situation. Brian had to nurse him through a wee bit there. I, I almost felt sorry for him, but didn't, if you get my drift. So, yeah, it, it, we got there in the end, and we won. We won.
0: Yeah, that's the uh, that's the competitive edge coming through there, Smithy. Uh, as I said, $100 TB bonus up for grabs today. First of the crease to have a shot at that is Simon from Hamilton. Come in, mate. Good morning, gentlemen. Hey,
3: Simon. How's it going? Simon from Hamilton, my goodness me, Uh, the Chiefs are going all right, aren't they?
5: Too right they are, too right.
11: (laughs) Someone said on one of my group chats the other day, it's only Ian Foster that could have a 1-3 record and be the All Black coach. I wonder how a feeling this morning.
5: Yeah,
11: I
3: wonder how a Razor is Mm. feeling this morning. Um, And uh, they got the Blues this weekend as well, the Crusaders. Nice, nice I say, nice. All right, okay, uh, speaking of nice, 100 bucks for you coming up if you're, uh, if you're successful, Simon. I wish you all the best. Uh, Logan, what are the subjects today?
0: Let's not start a civil war between Hamilton and Christchurch just yet, but I do love that. Your topics today, Simon, are soccer, football, basketball, and rugby. Take your pick.
8: I'll go to the rugby.
0: All right, Good luck. First question, what was the score in that historic Fiji Drua win over the Crusaders?
5: Oh, here. watch the face,
4: Chief. Um, uh, 29, 27.
11: One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field.
0: Smithy, over to you.
11: I couldn't forget it,
3: and we've talked about it this morning. 25-24. That's a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot,
11: and the it goes.
0: Yeah, I knew that was coming. <laughs> I didn't even know to go to a third umpire for that one. Sorry, Simon. Back to the pavilion for you on the first ball. Kerry from Manawatu, you're up next.
5: Hey, guys.
0: Hey, Kerry. Good morning right. to you. Good morning. All right, well, we'll All see right. You sound pensive.
5: I'm all here, all all is
0: the go. All right, well, let's crack into it. Second question for you. topic is super rugby. What super rugby, Pacific or Ōpukki team has scored the most tries so far this season? Uh, Fiji. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Through to the keeper, Smithy. Have to be the Chiefs, wouldn't it? Have to be the Chiefs. One of
11: the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field.
0: I just had to defer very quickly there with the third umpire there. The correct answer is Chiefs Manawa.
3: Oh, right. Okay. Okay. That's your attitude. Fair enough. (laughs) You're, You're still alive, Kerry.
0: You're still alive.
5: Yeah,
0: I thought, yeah, that's all good. <laughs> well, yes. So Chiefs Manawa have 23 tries. The Chiefs have 16. Third question for you, Carrie. $100 TAB bonus bear up for grabs out of the New Zealand Super Rugby Pacific teams. Who has scored the most total points so far this season? Which player? Uh, Which
5: player?
4: Um, I'm going to go Dawn Stevenson
11: One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a
7: cricket field.
0: Decent guess coming out of the wakato there. Smithy, over to you Well I, I I got a feeling it has to be um,
3: but there was a big score wasn't there from the Blues in round one. A massive score by the Blues in round one um, they bet, didn't they beat the Highlanders by 60-22 to 22 or something of that nature? So I'm, I'm just wondering whether it's the Blues or whether you go 3-0 and out of the Chiefs. Uh, I think uh, the Hurricanes have had a number of um, kickers, etc., in their mix so far, so I don't... Unless Geordie Barrett snuck in ahead of them. I'm just doing some maths here. Um, and so I've got to go the Chiefs and I've got to go Damien McKenzie.
11: One of the worst things... I have ever seen done on a cricket field.
0: You were close on your mass equation there, Smithy. You mentioned the name, Jordy Barrett. Oh, God, okay. Bugger. Bugger, as they say, in the trade. (laughs) D-Mac is fourth. D-Mac's fourth? Mm. Oh, my God. Stevenson ahead of him? No. So, the first is Tane Edmett. So, not yeah. uh, and then Geordie is second with 38 points. Bowden Barrett is third with 35. Uh, Damien McKenzie is fourth with 34. Oh,
3: right, oh, wow. okay. Well, oh, I got it wrong, Kerry. You got it wrong, but you got it right. So you get a hundred bucks, mate. A hundred dollars going into the Manawatu economy. How good's that?
4: Yeah, thank you. Might um have a play around with that this weekend.
3: You do that, mate. You uh, do that. I hope you, yeah,
10: yeah. The entry lose
6: crusaders. This yep. all comes down to it could be all the players, eh? Not the coaches.
3: Might well be. It might well be. You are right, Gary. Enjoy the money. Stay on the line. Uh, Brian will get the the details right, so we'll get that money to you. Uh, and have a terrific day, Gary from Manawatū too. A winner here on Stump Smithy. Back to fifty bucks around eleven thirty tomorrow.
1: Art and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings
2: with Ian Smith on NZ. Now,
3: we've got a little bit of uh, audio to play from Scotty Scheffler on a second that Logan's put together, but uh, just a couple of quick texts before we get to that. Hi, Smithy. I've just watched a replay of the Island Scotland test this morning. What a standout, James Lowe, as he scored a try, set up another break uh, out one, only for the last pass to be forward. And good uh, everything else with no mistakes. No doubt he was very underrated in New Zealand. Charlie, you're right. He has uh, really uh, gone ahead uh, as a footballer since his time in the Irish jersey. Uh, he's playing some really, really good footy. He'll be a star at the World Cup uh, on the back of uh, what that pack is doing there. Ireland, simply sensational at the moment. And France. Uh, Jim from Tamuka just uh, has said, Range stop, looking at sunny blue sky towards the south and Timaru. Uh, the outfield will be the question for him maybe two hours time, fingers crossed they might get a few overs well, it'll be a bit late I think if they lose a session for New Zealand to seriously entertain the thought of going after another 257 Yes. so we've been following the progress of Scotty Scheffler this morning, Logan unbelievably good performance of steady golf while those around him crumbled, simple as that
0: yeah, awesome to watch this morning throughout the show, Smithy. And it caused very emotional scenes because he had his whole family there as well, including Grandma. This is what he had to say to NBC. Scotty, considering where you won, how you played, your family here, and who you beat, why is this one special? Um,
10: it's a lot of fun. Uh, long day, tough day. Um, I knew the conditions were going to get really hard late, and I did a really good job of staying patient, not trying to force things, and then I got hot kind of in the middle of the round, and... Um, yeah, try to put things away as quickly as I could. You have detailed the challenges of sleeping on a lead and playing with a lead. What was the toughest aspect of this Sunday? Um, probably this morning, I'd say. I, I actually slept amazing last night. I was pretty tired after the long day yesterday. Unfortunately, I slept pretty good. But, um, yeah, it's it's gosh, it's fun. <laughs> I don't know what to say? Four wins last year in Player of the Year. Two wins already this season. In what ways are you a better player, a different player now? I'm not really sure. I'm just hoping to improve. I'm I'm just trying to get a little bit better at a time. Not overthink things, and um, I'm just so fortunate to be able to see some some results and enjoy some wins. And I'm just uh, I'm very thankful. I'm seeing some moist eyes. What's it like having the family here, including your grandmother, watching you hole by hole, step by step? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, gosh, I don't I don't know what to say. <laughs> Look at my dad staring at me, making it so much harder. But. Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty special. You know, they they haven't been able to come out in a while. We got a new newborn nephew who's about nine months old and so he's uh you know he's doing well. He's out here somewhere, I think. He's he's around, so he's probably hiding me asleep. But um, it's been a lot of fun to have the whole family out this week and uh, we're gonna we're gonna go celebrate. Players champ and number one again, congratulations. Thank you, appreciate it.
3: Absolutely brilliant. Uh, Scotty Scheffler, he is a top draw golfer and his composure like uh, not a lot have Uh, around him. Interesting um, story too, just on the subject of uh, Six Nations Rugby. Bit of of bad luck for uh, Ben Stokes actually. He was uh, on the train through to uh, London from up north. uh, Got off at King's Cross Station and someone stole his bag. Ben Stokes was going down to watch uh, uh, England play against France. So someone stole his bag. So he's uh, put on uh, he's put a tweet out to say to whoever stole my bag at King's Cross Station I hope my clothes are too big for you, you absolute. <coughs> so there you go. Uh, hard luck, uh, Ben. I'm pretty sure you can probably afford to replace those clothes, so that might not be uh, too much of an issue for you. Rory, last text of the day. If uh, Henry uh, if Henry Nichols fails in his next innings, why not give Glenn Phillips a crack? Why not? I doubt they will, but imagine if they found a decent opener with Latham and you could have Williamson, Conway Phillips and Mitchell firing at 3456. Then Blundell after that, Goodness me, mouth-watering all right, Rory. Absolutely mouth-watering. Totally uh, believe that. So, right, uh, we're going to have our last break of the day and get get across to staff who's, uh, I'm sure, got a thrilling, entertaining show this afternoon.